Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here, Crossway Church, Queen City, Texas. Glad to be with you, whether it's live right now at 10, uh, 9 a.m. Central Time, or you're watching this at a later time, I just pray that you get your Bible. I pray that God would be able to stir your heart to go and get your Bible, your pencil, paper, and join us and, and go through this Bible study and see what the Lord will give you. And uh, to the church today, uh, we, we, we listen, we hear so many messages and so many, uh, pre listen to so many preachers, those of us who uh, are, are in the church today and actively in the church today. And we, we just really need to get settled down and we need to hear what God is speaking to us. And and we need to get our Bibles, we need to get our pencil and paper, and we need to just go along with the teaching and see what God is going to speak to us today. On this, what day is today? April the 3rd, I believe that's correct, here in 2020, right in the middle of a, a pandemic. Uh, this COVID-19 virus has uh, swept the earth, and the numbers of deaths are growing uh, all in just about every country on the planet. And so our faith is still in God through Christ and his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us at Calvary. We're still believing that God is the God of miracles, that God will get what he's after in the midst of this, because nothing happens without him allowing it to happen. Anything that the enemy, anything that happens at all has to go through God. God has to allow it. God can can in a moment stop a train. God has shown us miracles we see in the Word of God, and we've seen a few in our own lives, uh, and God can do anything, and we're just trusting Him to get what it is He's after in the midst of all this that's taking place. And of course, number one, we're asking God to, to stop this plague, to put an end to it, to cast it into the sea, and, and really, ultimately, as I've said, to get what he's after in all this. But it's his people he's focused on. It's his people he's trying to wake up and get back to faith and grace. Back to the cross, literally. That's what faith and grace means, to get back to the Bible. That means get back to the cross, because that's what the Bible is all about, Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Uh, this is today, uh, if you want to go ahead and be turning in your Bibles, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and this is part 3 uh, of this uh, teaching in Timothy. Uh, presently, we are teaching in the book of Romans on Monday and Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. I'm doing that live from my office, so on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, you can avail yourself to the very teachings that are going on here as well is I'm coming in now during this uh, this plague that's plaguing the earth. I'm coming even into the office on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which I was not doing, and sharing the Word of God with you because many of you are at home. Many of you are, are now, even in our county, are in a shelter in place where we're going to find ourselves at home far more uh, than we ever have before. And so I just encourage you to take this time uh, to get serious in your relationship with the Lord, in your study of God's Word, in you drawing near to Him and listening to Him and, and pouring out to Him for He's listening to you. And uh, so 
Uh, again, uh, you can find all that we do at Crossway Church on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and uh, we have an app for your smartphones, Crossway Church app, and we just encourage you to go and listen. Uh, people all the time ask us, well, what do you preach? What do you teach? And I always say, well, we teach the grace of God. We point everyone to the cross of Christ. But that's basically what most ministries would say. So I tell them, go find the YouTube channel and listen. There you'll see and you'll hear for yourself what it is we preach, what it is we teach, because what it is, we believe that all the word of God points to Christ who said the word was about him for he is the living word and what he did at Calvary. Without that context, there will be no grace. Without that context, there will be no biblical faith. It's all pretending outside of that avenue and the church is going to have to repent. And uh, I'm telling you, the church is going to have to repent. God's not looking for the world out there. He's looking for his people who are called by his name to repent from their wicked ways. And what's a wicked way? It's not, it's not Jack Daniels and fornication and pornography. Those things are wicked. But among the church, yes, those things are still wicked. But among God's people, the wicked way is when we're found trusting in any anything other than the work of Christ at Calvary. And you're talking about a church today on the planet that's 99.9% .9 of the church is trusting in everything but the cross of Christ. Oh, we say we are, but we're really not. We're trusting in these programs, these things that men have brought into the church. And so uh, I encourage you during this season that we're going through, take advantage because God's in it. Take advantage because God's in it. God is attempting to do something. And I'm just so thankful that uh, I, this week we mailed, as every week, we mailed six expositor study Bibles to inmates across the land in the prison systems who are requesting that Bible. So I, I thank our people at Crossway Church and all those who consider themselves to be a part of Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas through social media for helping us get the Bibles into the hands of those inmates. It takes $37 a Bible to be able to get a Bible into the hand of an inmate. The price we pay, it's the same Bible you have. It's the same Bible you have. It's not some uh, cheaper edition. It's the same expositor's leather-bound study Bible that you have, and we get a discount And because of this ministry, not just a handout to anybody, but for this ministry, prison ministry. And uh, But then we have to also pay to ship it, and they're kind of weighty. And so it takes $37 a Bible, which is still an amazing price. And believe me, folks, it is worth it to get a, an expositor study Bible into the hands of an inmate, especially when they're requesting that Bible. So praise God for that, and praise God for all of you who are sowing into the ministry for that. Even folks overseas now are giving towards that ministry 
to Crossway Church, and I praise God. I thank you, and I just want to take a second to say thank you to all those who are giving to this ministry, who really have awakened to what it means to be all about the cross of Christ in the Word of God, to be focused on that truth, that message, for to, to have realized and to be learning that God's grace only pours through that avenue, that Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 4, was crucified through weakness. And he had to be because God's grace is only made perfect in weakness, through weakness. And therefore, Jesus, through weakness, was crucified that he might taste death, being crucified by the grace of God through faith, Hebrews 2, 9. And therefore, only when our faith is in what he did for us at Calvary do we get to taste that same death daily, taking up our cross daily, and to be able to walk with him in newness of life. Think about that. Grace only flows in my life daily, your life daily, through your faith in what Christ did. Grace is only made perfect through weakness. And, and weakness in God's eyes is not me being uh, weak in flesh, but weak because I'm, I'm, I'm only trusting on what, only trusting in what Christ did for me at Calvary. That's all that I'm trusting in. Oh, I trust in a chair to hold me up, but nothing to do with my righteousness and the fruit I bear today uh, of righteousness. That only comes by grace, Galatians 2 and 21. Righteousness only comes by grace, and grace only comes through the weakness and the death of Christ to me through my faith exclusively in what he did for me. There I'm considered weak and humble and broken before God, and he, through that same veil of the flesh of Jesus, gives me that grace. That's good news, and we need to stick with it. God's, that's what God's doing in this. And there are going to be greater horrible things in the future if the church continues to go about their way without the cross, which is God's only way. We need to know that. So you ministers who've been called for these last days for such a time as this, doesn't matter who's with you or who's not with you. We just keep preaching this message because God's in it. The cross is a, uh, is a lonely place. The cross is an uncomfortable place. The cross is a place of weakness and brokenness. It's not a place we grow comfortable and, and it's just luxurious. Oh, it is the prosperity of God, the avenue of God's mercy and grace, which is his prosperity to a believing people, and we need to stick with it. It makes, listen, the what God is bringing his remnant into is not the typical that's been for the last a uh, hundred years. God is reaching into the church and he's bringing those who will come back to their first love back to their first love, back to the place of faith in the cross alone, back to the place of their first works. But God, God calls for, God, God call, only looks at works and finds works legitimate if they're first works. What's first works? First works are the works the Holy Spirit began in us because of our faith in the work of Christ at Calvary. Outside of that avenue, friend, it's just us being very busy, putting on a show as preachers, putting on a show as congregational gatherers, putting on a show as... Uh, we're just putting on our own show unless it's 
our faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, which is the showing God made, God performed in Jesus and wants to perform and show that in and through you today. Not in our mightiness, but in the mighty grace and the mercy of God. Hallelujah. And we need to get back to that. And we're going to see greater and greater plagues in the earth today. And the purpose in all of them, the fullness of the purpose, we'll never know. But the main purpose in all the plagues that are going to come on the earth is to wake God's people up and get them back to the place they began to live at the cross, back to the place grace was poured into them at the cross, back to the place they found God's mercy at the cross, back to the place that their works were considered the works of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. When you were first born again, it was because your faith and what Jesus did by faith. And there God considered your faith legitimate. When you were saved, you were saved by grace. And God saw that was a legitimate reception of his grace to you because your faith was in that which Jesus did by the grace of God. <clears throat> Hebrews 2 and 9. Everything belongs to Jesus. And today the works that take place must belong to to Jesus. It must be Jesus doing the work by his spirit, but it's all done by grace through that avenue through faith. By grace, which is through his weakness, which becomes our today weakness through our faith and what he did in weakness so that we can have today the grace of God we need because God's not looking for big, strong, and mighty men and women. He makes strong and mighty women of God out of the broken, the destitute, those who were lowly and contrite of spirit find the revival of Jesus Christ in their hearts by the grace of God that only comes to us in weakness. God's strength is made perfect in weakness, and that's what we need, God's strength made perfect in our lives today and every day where there's a pestilence, a noise of pestilence, and this one is quite noisy, but nothing compared to the noise of, to, of the things that will come after this. And we don't need to sit around and be stressed out and just hard-pressed for why this is going on. As a child of God, this is going on to draw you near. Let me say that again. In anything that's taking place in your life that's, that's ugly and scary and black and dark and, 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 and attempts to bring stress and fear into your heart, it, those things are happening to cause you to draw near to God. When you feel like you're being squeezed as a child of God, you need to remember it's because he's holding you a little tighter. It's his hand that you're in. So when you feel like you're being squeezed, Yes, it, it may be fear and stress and horrible things knocking on the window trying to get into your heart, but, it's, but you're being squeezed because God is holding you tighter in his hands, and you need to know that. But you need to, do, you need to have more than positive encouraging. You need to have the truth. If the, if, if the truth of Jesus Christ and him crucified is not what you're finding positive and encouraging in your life, then you need to wake up and you need to come back to the cross. And I'm not talking about five seconds of, okay, uh, I'm back to the cross. Well, I remember years ago, uh, we heard a years before we ever knew anything about living the sanctified life, 
through faith in the cross alone. Didn't know anything about it. Wasn't being preached anywhere, anywhere. And uh, we heard a message on coming back to our first love, and we left church that night saying, praise God, I thank God he brought us back to our first love. No, you don't hear a message about coming back to your first love unless you're hearing ministers of righteousness which are pointing you to the cross. It's the only place of your first love. It's the only place where the works began. And you began to love God because you saw he loved you. You don't hear a message about faith and then just say, I'm in the faith. You don't hear a message about first works and leave saying, well, I'm glad I'm back in my first. No, when you're broken and you admit and you confess, I've looked at and trusted in everything, every new book that's come along. I've trusted in the money I give. I've trusted in my faithfulness to church. I've trusted in this and that and everything but being exclusively sold out to the truth of the gospel. That's all I want to share. It doesn't matter uh, where I go to church. It doesn't matter who my preacher is. If things are going to turn into a spiritual conversation, they're going to be pointed through the word of God, yes, but to Calvary. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The focus for the Christian is the cross of Christ, for he is the light, but the cross is the switch for sure. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad to be here today, and you can just get excited about the truth. I mean, those that God is, is bringing out of just nothing but a place of pretending. Back to a place of contending for the faith. There's an excitement in their hearts. There's a joy in their hearts. They've come out of that which which had them hard-pressed and so stressed about were they going to have enough money. Now they're back in the place where God's grace finds our broken hearts and, and, and our places of weakness and he pours that grace into us and we find the joy of the Lord and we're not worried about what people are thinking now. They're coming and they're going and the, the, the ministry doesn't seem to be growing or it might seem to be growing. We've experienced both uh, where we're abounding or we're feeling like we're being slapped upside the head but it's still about Jesus and what he did at Calvary for the power and demonstration of the Spirit, Paul said, was in his preaching. Because his preaching, he said, was uh, he was so determined that he had learned to be determined uh, in nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Because when that message is preached using God's, the entirety of God's word to point people to Christ and what he did at Calvary, then we relinquish the, the control of the congregation. That we're not called to have control of the congregation. We're called to preach the gospel. And when it's believed, the people of God uh, will be in, being controlled by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. We've got far too many ministers that think they have to control the people. And the, the Holy Spirit is here to control the church, lead the church, encourage the church. And he can do that through a minister if that minister is preaching the gospel. But if, if we're not using the word to point people to Christ and him crucified on a continual, habitual, never-ending basis, we won't stop. We're only determined to know that. Listen, we won't be like the Apostle Paul who moved by the Spirit said it was his preaching 
That was the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the testimony of heaven. It's the testimony of God. So when we minister God's word in the context it was written, which is always the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the result has to be a picture of God's righteousness, which is Jesus and, and what he did at Calvary. Jesus is the Lord of righteousness and his avenue to impart that to us, not just initially, but daily as fruits of righteousness is our faith in his death at Calvary. Praise God. I'm glad to know that today. And I'm happy, I'm very happy and blessed and excited to be here with you today. And I know none of that we would think had anything to do with 1 Timothy, but everything in the Word has everything to do with all of God's Word because it's all tied to Jesus and what He did at Calvary. I want you to know today that heaven is even permeated with uh, the sense of atonement. Heaven without the atonement wouldn't be what it is for you and me today. Think about that. The one who is who has been slain for us at Calvary is in heaven now. The one who was slain for us had the power to go and take the book out of the Father's hand and the book be open, the seals be open. Listen, heaven permeates with the aroma of the Lamb of God. Glory to God. Heaven wouldn't be what it is without the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Think about that. Glory to God. Glory. Heaven wouldn't be what it is, even, even what it is, without the Lamb of God. The aroma of the Lamb of God in heaven. He's the focus because He became man, died for our sins, was exalted on high because of His humble, obedient act unto death for us all. Hallelujah. To get us back to God. To reconcile us back to God. Hallelujah. And I pray that more and more of God's people would be focused on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. These ministers, not many, but the few that are coming back to this illumination, this revelation <clears throat> given the Apostle Paul are going to find a joy they've never had except at the beginning of their relationship with God. They're going to find a peace and an assurance and a quietness of soul where they don't have to be moved by the people and the way they think or what they do or don't do, but they can be moved by the Holy Spirit each and every day and kept in that resting place in Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Today's the day that we can know that our God is faithful, in charge, and obligated to take care of us if we'll go His way. God is obligated to take care of His people. He obligated Himself when He created us. Then we messed it up, but he was still obligated to those who would come. He was really obligated to all because he offered his son for all. And today, he's obligated himself to take care of us so much that he's promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. And therefore, if we will trust him in the way, in the way he's called us to trust him, we will find that obligation that God has committed himself unto us to take care of us daily by grace through faith. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's try to get started. Uh, Y'all have wasted uh, almost a half hour of my time pulling all that out of me. The encouragement, I hope that you will have called what you just received because that's what it is. It's a call to a place to be encouraged, to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. And uh, God's trying to teach his people that today, where we don't have to be in a certain place uh, to encourage ourselves in the Lord, because it's not in some building or in some recliner that we encourage ourselves. It's in the Lord, and that means through faith in the very thing that placed us in Christ, and that was by grace through faith in what he did at Calvary. There we're encouraged in the Lord. Hallelujah. That's not where we're finding encouragement. A lot of folks are going to get out of the ministry through these hard times ahead. They're going to get out of ministry because people are going to... Listen, we're either going to draw near to God in the midst of all this or we're going to pull out and quit. We're going to go our own way. We're going to... We're, listen, some folks are going to realize their faith hadn't been real ever. And some folks are going to realize their faith hadn't been real since way back long time ago when it was real for them, but they've been moved away. They've been desensitized through that which has not been the focus of the gospel. How many churches today gather, get together week after week, many times a week, and what they're striving for is not the faith of the gospel, Philippians 1.27. They say, oh yeah, we're here because of the gospel, but ministry is not exclusively just because of the gospel. It is exclusively because of the gospel, but it's not just, we don't just have ministry because of what happened at Calvary. We have ministry because of what happened at Calvary, and our ministry, if it's legitimate, is about what happened at Calvary. Or it's or, or we're not striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're striving together over uh, uh, what color the carpet's going to be, uh, who the preacher's supposed to be, what the preacher should be preaching. There's all sorts of striving going on. And that kind of envy and strife is brought the confusion. James wrote that would always be there. And when that's taking place, he said, without doubt, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion, and every evil work. And that's why the church is in the shape it's in. Because we've been in envy, we've been in strife, we've, we've been striving, oh yeah, we've been striving together, but for everything but the faith of the gospel. Again, that scripture is Philippians 1.27. When will we wake up, allow God to move us out of that, which Grandpa and Daddy and possibly those in our own house won't like. But we're letting God move us now and we're not going to stay where we're controlled by what they like or don't like. Come on, somebody's getting that today. Somebody's going to be blessed today. Peter tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. There's a lot of people in the church been listening to the message of the cross. They've been listening to the word of God taught in its proper context. But they're still controlled by people because their heart, oh, with their minds, they've learned to think the right words. With their mouths, they can say the right words, but they're still trapped 
in that which is mixture, and there's not a striving together for the faith of the gospel, and the reasons and justifications they give are just not legitimate with God. What's going on there is they're still bound by the fear of man, and they won't get out like get up like God told Abraham to do and get out. The reason they won't is because they fear man, whether it's a wife, a husband, a, a daddy, a granddaddy. What will they think of me if I leave this ministry? This has been, here it comes, this has been our church for ages, which proves what their faith is in. Their family, their building, those grounds, God's calling you, sir, to get up and get out so he can bring you into a better place of his plan for your life. And until you do that, God, God, there's not going to be any confidence found in the fear of man. There's not going to be any, any what you're really looking for in the fear of man. It's only in the fear of the Lord there's a strong confidence. Amen. Amen. Praise God. When you finally get it in your heart, you're going to get up and get out from the mixture and be found among those who are striving together for the faith of the gospel. You need to understand that there is an activity seen, a showing of diligence in your life when you finally get it in your heart and it'll move you. Hmm. Aren't you glad Noah didn't put it off till everybody till he got a crowd to follow him? Noah, by faith, the Bible says, Noah moved with fear. Noah, by faith, moved with fear. Not the fear of man, the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. When it's the fear of man, it'll keep you trapped. It says that in the Bible, the fear of man is a snare. But the fear of the Lord delivers from that snare. Glory to God. First Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 10 today. Y'all have held me up long enough. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. <clears throat> now I'm going to move through this pretty rapidly today. <clears throat> Got 30 minutes to try to get through verses 10 through 16. And I'm just going to read these verses and we're going to make some comments. I want you to think about these things according to the scriptures. I want you to write them down, contemplate these things. Deacons here. There are requirements for positions in the local assembly, in the, in the church today. There are positions. There, there are offices, the Bible calls them, that men are called and placed by God into and, and we've talked about the pastoral leadership here. These are not options. These are not just get a few books and add the Bible to it and then use what's best for you. No, the Bible is what's best for us. And as I've said many times, the Bible is not options. It's not multiple choice. It is commands, God's commands. God's word is God's commands to you and me. And when we walk in those statutes, those precepts, those words, those commandments from the captain of our salvation to us as his good soldiers following Jesus means obeying his commands and we read through the, the, the requirements for pastors and, and now we'll begin to see the requirements requirements 
for deacons. Not options, not it's different for everybody and everybody just does their own thing. No, that's division. That's where we get into problems because we're not going by the guidelines we've been given. Let me say this first. Very powerful scripture. Please write it down so you can go look at it. But Jeremiah 23.4 uh, says this, that God chooses the shepherds he'll set over his people. And those that God chooses to set as shepherds, even the deacons, uh, over his people. But specifically, he's talking about shepherds. He's talking about pastors. He's talking about those that he sets in place to feed his people. And we can look at it this morning. Uh, uh, let's look at Jeremiah 23, verse 4. We'll just go there and look at it. Uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 4. God says, through the prophet... And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. <clears throat> Don't you think about this. Those that God sets in place are different from those that men set in place. Yes, men recognize those that God sets in place, but sometimes men recognize those that they have set in place. And there is quite a difference. We have the requirement right here. This is so powerful, so powerful. This is beyond good. This is great to have this direction this morning. So watch this again. God says that he will set up shepherds over them, over his people, which shall feed them. Remember what Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? If you love me, then feed my sheep. Ask him three times. Got to make sure you get this right, Peter. Do you really love me? Because it's going to be through your love for me that you're going to be able to feed my sheep. And Jesus, now wait a minute. We're not talking about feelings and, and just emotions and being nice to people, which is a bad problem in the church. It's not a problem of being nice to people and, and being good to people. But when we're just trusting and going by feelings and emotions, my friend, we're in big trouble. But everything that happens got to flow from the spirit of love that we've been given. But listen, bear, listen real close here. The only avenue God has given us to love him and to love each other is through faith in Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for that. When our faith remains in that, we can love God and love each other. Outside of that avenue, when faith is in any other thing, that's not a legitimate faith and that faith is not working by love, Galatians 5, 6. So, so remember that. So, but Jesus taught <clears throat> that if you're going to be able to have life, you're going to have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we've taken almost everything in the New Testament and just basically given a lot of uh, uh, focus on uh, lots of scriptures to that of just the initial born again experience. But uh, all the scriptures are not just about scriptures that got us saved, but scriptures that help us to live saved, such as Romans 10 and 10. You know, that it's with the heart men believe unto righteousness, and then the mouth confesses unto salvation. We've taken that and put that exclusively for the initial born-again experience. And that's not so. 
Because you and I, as children of God, have to have the words of God daily, and all his words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And if we're believing God's word through faith in the sacrifice of Christ, then the result will be the fruits of righteousness. But Jesus taught in John chapter 6, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, that means if you don't have faith in who I am and what I came to do at Calvary, there is no life in you. There is no life in you. And let me say something to us Christians today. If we move our faith from the cross of Christ, from him, Jesus, and what he did at Calvary, there is no laying hold on eternal life because we're not trusting in that. We're trusting in something we do, and that would be our own works, our own righteousness that we're working to attain instead of God seeing that our faith is legitimately in Christ and his work of righteousness and our fruits, his righteousness, is something totally different. So get this. There's only one message. Oh yes, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation can be used. Every chapter and every verse should not be seen in the light of prayer, should not be seen in the light of what men have made it, for the word of God to be the light to our path. Psalms 119.105. For Jesus to be the light to us. Amen. John 8.12. Then we have to see Jesus as the lamb. Follow Jesus as the crucified, buried, and resurrected lamb. And our faith must be in always in what he did at Calvary if we're going to be partaking. Remember, it's by grace that we taste the death of Christ through faith. Jesus tasted death. You can't get away from this. Hebrews 2, 9. Jesus tasted death for you and me by the grace of God. That's where we taste that's where we get grace, in the taste of death. And our tasting of death is in our consumption of the body and the blood of Jesus through faith in what he did at Calvary. Get that now. So get back to, we're talking about the reason we're here in Jeremiah 23, 4. It seems like we chase rabbit trails and we move away, but we're really about a focus here. God setting men in office and there being requirements before those men can be set in office. And it's through men who are in office already who God has set in office. So here we're talking about in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 4, those who God sets in office. And yes, there is a recognition of men when that is true. But here we see what that requirement is even in a greater way, even way back through the prophet Jeremiah. Watch this. I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more. What's the only thing that removes fear, cast fear out? The perfect love of God, which is seen where? 1 John 4, 9 and 10, in what God did in Christ at Calvary. And also John 3, 16 and several other scriptures. Amen. Amen. Listen, nobody has ever seen God without... Grace through faith. Grace is what God does 
And faith for us is us believing from the heart unto what God did in Christ at Calvary. Isaiah 32, 17 says, The work of righteousness is peace. Jesus, the work of righteousness was done at Calvary. We can't work for righteousness. Jesus did the work of righteousness, Isaiah 32, 17, and the work of righteousness is peace. We have peace with God now. We're no longer under the wrath of God. Fear has been cast out, removed. And as long as our faith remains in what God did at Calvary, then fear is cast out. Fear doesn't control us any longer. Amen. And the Bible says there in Isaiah 32, 17, that the effect of that righteousness is quietness. Mm-hmm. Mm. Quietness. When everybody else is in chaos and fear still controlling their lives and torment is in fear, you and I, through that work of righteousness and the experience of that today, through faith in that, not what we have to go do to have peace, but what Jesus did to give us the righteousness through which comes the quietness, the quietness of soul and the assurance that we have. Write that down, Isaiah 32, 17. You'll find a great, tremendous blessing for you in the midst of this noisome pestilence. Hallelujah. If you'll begin to hear and listen to the ministers of righteousness, not some just old preacher quoting the Bible out there. It's got to be those who are sharing God's truth in its righteous context. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Watch this now. God said he'd set up shepherds over his people which shall feed them and they shall fear no more. Again, there's only one message that removes fear and that's the message of the cross. That's nothing else going to remove fear. In the midst of this turmoil that's going on, you're not going to start quoting scripture based on what God says he'll do for you. Just quote it and quote it. If your faith is not trusting in the very work of Christ at Calvary, which is the only avenue of righteousness for you, you're not going to have quietness of soul. You're not going to have the assurance you need. You're not going to be experiencing the peace that you know you need. Think about that. Watch this now. They shall fear no more, nor be, nor be dismayed. We're not going to be dismayed anymore. Listen, that, that word means to be shattered, to be broken by these things, be, to be abolished, to become afraid and moved by a fear that, that, that moves us away from God instead of a, a fear that moves us toward God. There's only one message that removes dismay, confusion, and lack and fear. That's the message of the cross. The message of Christ and what he provided through his death for us to be able to have everything we need today. Hallelujah. Watch this. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. The message of the cross is the only message that removes fear, dismay, and lack. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, I shall not lack. If I, if, but if I just quote that, I'm going to lack. 
But if I look to Calvary with my heart, I, I give myself. I, I, Lord, I'm trusting in you and your work at Calvary. 2,000 years ago, you're the one who worked righteousness that, that, that has allowed me to obtain this like precious faith we have. Do you understand that it's what Jesus did by grace through faith? His righteousness being offered you from the cross alone that we've obtained this like precious faith. Do you know that's in your Bible. Let's look at that. I'm sorry, we, we seem to be uh, a little off track this morning, uh, but uh, let's just look at this together. And I believe it, I believe it is 2 Peter 1 and 1. Simon Peter, this is so powerful because everything has to be attached to righteousness. And righteousness exclusively comes through grace. And grace exclusively comes to you and me today. The grace of God we need today to be made perfect in our weakness comes to us exclusively. Not because we go do something, but because our faith is still in what God did in Christ, what Christ did for us at Calvary. Watch this now. Even the faith we've obtained was through the righteousness of God. Watch this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. We obtained this like precious faith, the same faith Peter had, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That means what he did at Calvary. Think about that. Just giving you some good stuff this morning. Back to Jeremiah 23 and 4 just for a moment. And I know we didn't get too far in this third chapter of 1 Timothy. And, but you know what? Uh, we, we've got next week, maybe. Uh, if the, unless the Lord comes before the end, then, uh, then I, I probably won't be doing any more teaching. At that point, I'll just be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm ready to go today. I'm ready, I'm ready to see him. I'm ready for him to come and just snatch us out of here. But when God sets shepherds, some of you listening, this is going to help you. When God sets a shepherd up, and I'm not talking about a pastor or, or some deacon that just, uh, they're perfect and they know everything, that excludes all of us because nobody's perfect, nobody's even near perfect, and nobody knows everything. Nobody knows, even near knows everything. And some of us have exalted men, certain preachers, who do know a lot, but because they know quite a bit more than we do, We've exalted them instead of the truth that they're giving us. Come on now, I know who I'm talking to. I know what I'm talking about. God, when God sets shepherds, pastors, leaders up over his people, the result of God setting them up is fear being removed, dismay being removed, lack being removed. Praise God. Aren't you glad you know that today? So uh, let's get back into this. First Timothy uh, where are we? Chapter 3, verse 10. Now let's see this. And let these deacons also first be proved. Why, why would that need to take place? Because there has to be a recognition that God has called and chosen them for this. We don't just have, well, they look like they do good. No. 
So, and this also tells us that there really needs to be what some ministries do, and I agree with it, a probationary period. You could call that here a trying, a proving, a testing. Uh, and it's not like folk are following them around to make sure they never make a mistake because we all go make mistakes. But listen, the Bible says here that they need to be proved first. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Blameless doesn't mean they never make a mistake. Blameless means there's nothing in their lives that others can see that would be an excuse or an occasion for them to be led into living carnal or living uh, in the flesh, not being an example to all as godliness, as, as a messenger of righteousness, as, as a servant-hearted person toward other people. The deacon who sits in the bar on Saturday night getting drunk and he's in church on Sunday morning, he doesn't know any, excuse me, he doesn't know anything about the grace of God and he he's blameless. He, he how many how many people have joined the church, gotten saved, got in church, got the fire of God in their heart, and then they look at those who should be the leading examples because they're in positions of leadership in a church who are smoking weed and telling everybody it's okay, or they're in the bar saying God's grace is just covers it all. Nobody's perfect, you know. And and and, and it, well, if they're doing that, I mean, I've even heard people say that uh, <clears throat> listening uh, to, to ministers who. Uh, occasionally point to Calvary, but they don't always point to the Calvary, then, then the people who are on fire about this message of the cross, they say, well, look, they don't, they're not always pointing to the cross like you do. And let me tell you something, folks. People are watching you. They're watching us. And, and most of all people, because we're in the flesh, are, are very easily drawn into a place where we're looking for somebody to be doing something that would be an occasion for us to also be in the flesh. Come on now. Folks who don't believe they ought to be doing this, if the Bible says do, will get on social media today and find a group of people who are not doing that that they don't think they ought to be doing. And there we just have a new movement. The people who don't think they have to be doing this. And they give themselves a name. And, and listen, we're sticking with the Bible. We're sticking with the Word of God in the context of righteousness. Amen. So, there is a testing period. People who, people who just uh, quit before they ever get started when they're told there's going to be a year's probationary period, and at the end of the year, uh, we'll just have another meeting, and, and we'll let you know uh, how we feel about you being called into this position at that time. And when people quit... Well, that proves it. It's like the old man that time that wanted to be a deacon so bad. He went around uh, trying to get everybody talking up and get him. I want to be a deacon. I, I deserve to be a deacon. And, you know, I'm a servant. And I think when it comes time for y'all to, to, to say who you'd like to be deacons, remember me. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, and, and the pastor said, you know, not him, not now, not whatever, for whatever reason, he didn't get elected to be a deacon. Well, he just threw a wall-eyed hissy fit, what we call it here in Northeast Texas. He just kicked over some chairs and threw a fit and screamed on his way out the door and left the church. And the preacher sat back in his chair and said, well, praise God, the Lord confirmed that in my heart. You see, it was pretty obvious uh, that he was not in the proper uh he didn't have what it took. He didn't have, he failed the test. He failed the test. Amen. Because if you don't get what you think you deserve and you throw some fit, well, that's proof right there in confirmation. You, you didn't really uh, rate that office. 
And so, uh, so you understand my point. He says in verse 11, even so must their wives be grave, which means reverent and respectful, not slanders. They must be sober. They must be faithful in all things. Think about that. They must be faithful. They must be temperate. They must be self-controlled. They must be faithful in all things. And I need to look no further than my wife who is faithful and, and, and to the ministry, faithful to me because she's faithful to the Lord. And, and, you know, you can't have a pastor or a deacon or any leader in the church who's got a wife who's uncontrollable, whose mouth just flaps like the lips hanging out of a car going down the road with the wind beating on them. You, you can't have that because they are you. They're a part of you. And I'm sorry that if your wife is that way, that eliminates you until she learns the truth of Christ and him crucified and God changes her heart, you can very well be brought into that position. But if this is a known the way she is, the way that's just who she is, just I mean, just on the phone all day, every day, talking about anybody and everything and, and all that stuff. Oh, of course, in the name of we need to pray for them. Well, uh, th th you're eliminated if you have a wife like that. So she needs to be more in subjection to you and you need to be more in subjection to Christ through faith in the sacrifice and hopefully she will uh, find that great sanctifying truth as you have and then be conformed and then maybe later on, uh, if God's called you to that, you can walk in that. We're all growing, amen? There was a time in my life I wasn't ready for pastor. There was a time in my life I wasn't ready for deacon. There, but there's testing periods for those that appear to be called of God, which proves to us that we don't know anything right off the bat. If we did, this wouldn't need to be in the Word of God about a testing period. Somebody said amen and praise the Lord. I'm glad that we have God's Word to go by. Uh, we're ba very bad in ministry, especially small churches, about bringing somebody that somebody visits our church. We hadn't gotten 15 people, you know. We get somebody, hadn't got the five people, hadn't got the two. We, somebody visits the church and we're excited like we should be, but immediately, if we're not careful, we'll try to take them and put them in a position immediately just to give them something to do to keep them. That's not God's will. That'll hurt you bad in the long run, my friend. It says, uh, verse 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Doesn't mean they weren't ever married. Doesn't mean anything bad in the past uh, uh, can't have ever happened. It means they're not married but one woman right now. Come on now. If you believe all that other stuff, then you just don't understand the Bible concerning leadership because all God's leaders in the Bible outside of Christ, uh, the ultimate shepherd and leader, have been flawed and got messed up lives and everything still not found a place of perfection yet. But we're only married to one woman right now, praise God. We don't want another one. Ruling their children in their own houses well. Ruling their, listen, ruling their children in their own houses well. That means these people who are going to be viewed by the leaders that be who've already passed the test and God has placed in these offices for that is who God uses to test the others. It's a test on God's behalf, but he uses those who are already in ministry to recognize that these folks are called or not called right now to this particular leadership role. And God does give that power to the leaders to see if they're if they're using the scriptures to go by. If we're not, 
then we're not going to have eyes to recognize and see it because we can only see according to that which would be obedience to God's word. Anything else is carnal and flesh. So, verse 13 says, For they that have used the office of a deacon, and that means served as a deacon, well purchased. And that don't mean they bought the position. That word there means they have well obtained. I'm trying to bring it up. They have well, they obtained themselves a good degree, but it's through their faith in Christ and his work at Calvary for the Holy Spirit. Only through that legal work can change us and mold us and shape us and prepare us for the positions God has ordained that we walk in. Never forget that right there. Only through faith in the cross. A lot of people in the world, even a lot of people that are saved and in the church have a sweet demeanor about them and they're, they're well behaved. That alone does not necessarily put them in the office of a pastor, an overseer, or a deacon, or an elder, or any position just because they're nice and mannerly and well-spoken and, and their homes are in order. But there, there's requirements in, there in the Word of God. So let's stick with the Word of God. Amen. He says, for they that have used the office, served as a deacon, uh, have well obtained to themselves a good degree. And that very thing means a good standing. This is a good place to be standing in the eyes of God. The very word deacon means a servant. They're serving the people. They're among the people. Right now, hear me right now, the few that are listening to me, hear me. The deacons are the, those that are servants. They're the ones right now more than the pastor. I hope you get this. Deacons were brought into the body of Christ so the pastors and leaders, overseers, could stay in the word and prayer. It's turned around. It's not even what it should be anymore in 99% of the church. But right now, during this time of great noisome pestilence, the, the deacons, when we can't even gather together in a physical location, the deacons are the ones that should be calling everyone. Yes, pastors do that too when you have time, but the deacons are in position to do that. I hope you got that. The deacons are those who've been elected to that position to do that. When we get together, yes, they are door greeters. Yes, they do all these things. But now in a season where things have changed and we're not even greeting together, hopefully for a short season, your mission has not ended. You have telephones. You have computers. You have whatever you need. You're still, if, just because you're not at the church house, if your deacon duties have been suspended, then you need to rethink your position. You have access. Now we have social media. and Everybody's not on it, and I'm not talking about them, but you who have social media, and you've been in a leadership position in church, your position is needed now more than ever before, maybe just in a different avenue in a different way. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen. My job as a pastor, just because we're not meeting, my mission didn't end. It increased because of what we're going through. Come on, now help me up in here. Uh, listen, my mission didn't slow down when we entered into this place where we can't even get together in the church. My mission increased. I said, you know what? God stirred my heart and I said, yes Lord, I'll go every day and minister your word every day. Uh, six days a week I'll go and minister your word because people are at home they need this every day anyway so we, we, we just are here for you so the deacons are there for you hallelujah amen and, and, and it says here for they that have 
served the office of a deacon have well obtained to themselves a good degree. And that means a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, now, uh, you know, we're out of time, and, 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 but, but this verse 13 could be really just exploded and expounded on because the office of a deacon is the office of serving the people. And listen, there is no greater position in all of God's vision of the earth and in his will than being a servant because it is that which has a boldness of faith, a boldness that's in the faith, and which is only found in Christ Jesus. These positions of pastoral overseers and, and, and bishops and elders and deacons, they only function in Christ, as does all of God's will for our lives. And that means through faith exclusively in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Nothing else. And there are the works. I said this in one of my teachings recently, but all the works you and I are called to walk in are only in Christ. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. This should be a great revelation and an illumination in the heart for those who teach that, that you have to do something to be saved. To be saved means you're in Christ through faith in what he did at Calvary. That means, and if all the works are in Christ, that means you can't do a work outside to work your way in. Come on, I hope somebody's getting that today. I hope you're getting that today. But once even that you're in Christ, the works that are carried out in Christ are only through faith in what you had it in to get you in Christ. Therefore, now the Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you into all truth and bring you in to the very offices you've been called by God to operate in. I was told once uh, the most prosperous place on the earth is the graveyard because there most Christians die, take back to the grave all the gifts that God gave them unused. Unused because the only place they can be used is in Christ. And you might say, well, I'm in Christ. That's If you're born again, that's true. But have you learned what it means to walk in Christ and how that's done? God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. I pray that God has stirred your heart with something that was said today. I pray that you would uh, consider the words that you heard today and that you would be blessed and encouraged, edified and strengthened and moved closer to him and farther away from that which is not him and just... Uh, just a, a, a more intimate place with him. Share these teachings, please. I beg you to share these teachings that others might find a conviction in their heart for that which is right, which is truth, and come out from that which is only having a show, a form, but not the real power of God. Help us publish the Word of God. Don't just like it or comment on it. Publish it so the whole world will have access to hear the word of God as the truth it is in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love you, and until I see you next time, remember, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.